Do you want to know how you can get people to not only open and click on your emails, but actually anticipate them showing up in their inbox? You're going to want to stay tuned to this week's episode. This is a question that came over, came to me over on LinkedIn when I put out a, a call to topics for people um, that they had questions on. <clears throat> and this is one that came up. And a lot of times we do a lot of effort to get leads into our funnel. And then we do not do a great job of building conversation, getting to know those leads, and ultimately turning them into customers. So we're going to dive into how to not only create urgency and excitement for people to open your emails almost every week, but also we're going to talk about how to continue them onto the journey of becoming a customer. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey there, I'm Elisa Connor, ex-corporate marketer turned entrepreneur. And along the way, I made all the mistakes just so you don't have to. Chances are you have a pretty full career. You've got experience, expertise, and probably a whole lot of education. The problem is people can't find you. This is why each week on the Second Act Entrepreneur Show, we feature expert education, marketing insights, and mindset shifts that are going to help you create a profitable business so you can secure your legacy, ensuring that you thrive not only in your first career, but also your second act. Welcome to the Second Act Entrepreneur Show. Email marketing is the best way to captivate and enthrall your audience, as well as build trust with them. Yet, I've heard from so many people, it's so hard to write emails. Well, I'm here to tell you there are some fun and exciting things on the horizon that are going to help you do just that. But to get you started, I've created a brand new guide that helps you create that first sequence. It's your, your welcome sequence, which basically is a hi, great to meet you. So good to know you. Here's a few things that might help you out kind of sequence. Yet people struggle with writing. I get it. It can be like banging your head on the wall or staring at a blank screen and going, I have nothing to say. And that stinks. So I've made it easy for you. You can get access to this guide for free over at alisaconnor.com forward slash email guide, all one word, and you can grab your copy today. So if you're struggling with writing that welcome series and you don't know what to say in those first few emails to build rapport and trust with your audience, you're, you're going to want to go grab this guide. It was created with you in mind to make it easy for you to get this done in less than an hour. So go grab the guide today at alisaconnor.com forward slash email guide. And I look forward to seeing you in my inbox. So you may have noticed I haven't been here for a couple weeks and that's because there have been some shifts going on, not only in my business, but also um, I had the stomach flu and that sucked. <laughs> So no episode last week and then coming up next week. And for um, a few, probably close to the end of the year, I'm going to have a lot of guests on the show. So uh, some really great interviews. And um, I just wanted to put a little bug in your ear that if you know somebody that would be a great fit for this show that you would like to learn from, or that you've learned something from that you think other people could benefit, let me know, like come and either send me a direct message over on LinkedIn is probably the best place to reach me and let me know who those people are so we can connect and then um, you could get them on the show. That would be super exciting. So one of the things that came up over on LinkedIn was the question, okay, you know, I send out emails, but then it just seems like they get ignored or people aren't excited to hear from me. And, you know, how can I get them excited and anticipating my emails so that they're opening them and they're clicking on them and they're moving through my funnel a little bit quicker. And this is a question that comes up quite a bit. 
So before we dive into that, um, I wanted to, I've been doing a little bit of research just based on basically on sales in general and emails uh, that generate sales and things like that. So along with my own testing, as well as, um, you know, what's going on in the marketplace, I just kind of wanted to see what's happening. And we have probably heard this before, that it takes multiple times for you to show up in front of someone um, before they even know who you are. And then it takes even more <laughs> times for you to show up, specifically talking about their inbox, for them to recognize who you are and realize that they actually do want to hear from you. But most people um, will give up after one or two tries. Like they'll send one or two emails and if they don't get any sales, they're like, well, that didn't work. And that is, I don't know if it's programmed into our human nature, but it is across the board. I don't care if you're doing it as an entrepreneur or if you are putting forth the effort as somebody who is in say a sales position in a corporation. If you don't put forward the effort to stay in front of that person and connect and create conversation and build a relationship, they not only don't know who you are, but they're not gonna open your emails. And so typically, um, one of the articles that I read was specifically about cold emails and I was taking what they had to say with a little bit of a grain of salt because cold emails are typically people that have bought lists or have scrubbed lists from social media and those people are not on their email list. So that's cold selling via email, which I am not a fan of. Um, there are much better ways to get in front of someone rather than sending them a cold email. And in my opinion, those are very outdated sales techniques. In fact, I remember working for Canon at one point, um, it was like 2008, 2009, and in their sales department. And one of our requirements as a sales rep was to make 10 cold calls a day or 20, I don't know, it was a ton. It was like maybe 50, it was like 50 calls or I don't know, it was a week, but anyway, it was a lot. And I was like, this is such a waste of time because these people don't know who I am. They don't want to talk to me. They don't, I don't know anything about them. What, you know, how does that work? And so, but they, it was so outdated. They're like, nope, that's what you need to do. And if you don't, you're not meeting your quota, blah, 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 blah. And it was a very antiquated way of um, trying to sell products. But that is often the case of what happens in corporate America. This is the way we've done it. This is how we've always done it. This is how we're always going to do it. Well, times are changing and COVID was a big instigator of a monumental change. So if that is how you are still going about getting customers is just picking up uh, emails off of social media, for example, and emailing them, that is not going to be a good way to increase sales. So I want to give you some opportunity to look at the way you're doing things and instead um, shift things on their head a little bit so that you can get better traction. And so one of the statistics that I looked at is that, um, which I thought was interesting, is that cold emails are actually twice as high of return on investment than cold calling, but still there are better ways to improve that even further. Um, and so we come back to our question, which is how do we get people excited and ready to open our emails, click on our emails and want to hear from us? And the first thing is, um, it may seem very simple, but get the right people on your list. Now, when I say that, 
um, oftentimes when we're in business building mode, we want everybody on our list. And so we will partner and collaborate with just whoever says yes. And I remember um, earlier in my business, this is probably six or seven years ago, um, when I really started to move into like sales funnel building and online building of courses and that sort of thing. And I was approached by somebody, I think it was on Instagram at that point. She was a business coach and very nice lady. Um, but she, one of her, um, I don't, I don't know, one of her shticks in her business was to reach out to people that she thought would be good fits for her audience and then um, invite them to be part of a collaboration. It was a paid collaboration, so you had to pay to be in it, but it was a very minimal fee. I don't know, it was like 50 bucks or something. And I was like, sure, why not? <clears throat> so what I learned from that experience was that the people she had chosen had such far-reaching similarities that the people that were attracted and put on my list 99% of them were not a fit for my business. They were not the right <clears throat> stage of their business. They did not necessarily need the services I provided at that time. Um, all the different things. So no matter how many emails I sent them, they weren't going to open them because one, they didn't need what I had and they weren't a good fit for what I do. And so when you're looking at your list, one of the things that I um, recommend to students and <clears throat> this is regardless if you're looking at your email list or you're looking at your customer list is to regularly evaluate it and see who's not a good fit anymore. And so there's some pretty good key indicators <laughs> to see if whether or not somebody's a good fit. If they haven't opened your emails in six months, they're probably not a good fit. And so <clears throat> one of the things, excuse me for just a second, have a total frog in my throat because it's super dry here. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that can help you succeed in getting your emails open and clicked on and uh, get people excited to read them is to make sure you're in front of the right audience. But that also means pruning your list of people that aren't a good fit. And there's a couple benefits to this. One is your getting better and more responses from people that are reading your emails. So if people are hitting reply and they're responding to you, you're hitting a nerve. You're like getting them where they, you know, are excited and want to hear from you. And if they're not opening it or you're going, they just delete it or they're not clicking on things or whatever, something's amok. And so this is a prime opportunity for you to one, learn more any way you can do that. And two, um, get rid of them if they're not interested. And a lot of times people are afraid to like cut people off their list or clean their list or scrub their list or whatever you, you want to look at it. But the reality is, is that if they're not interested, you are wasting your time and you're actually hurting your email reputation because the more times they don't open it or they send it to spam or they delete it, that actually um, works against you when it comes to not only the Google spam filter, but other spam filters. And then also your metrics in your email service provider, like, a convert kit or active campaign or keep or whatever it is you might be using for your business. So a regular cleanup, like specifically quarterly at a minimum of your email list is a really, really good idea because you can always get new subscribers, but if you're not cleaning up the old subscribers, they're not only clogging up room, you're paying for them to be on your list in most cases. 
and they're not ready to buy and they may never be ready to buy. Now, the good news is, is if you boot them off and you give them the opportunity to, you know, unsubscribe or leave or whatever it is, they always have the opportunity to resubscribe if they want to hear from you. And that can happen, you know, if people are busy or they have something going on in their lives. Like a lot of times um, I was doing some LinkedIn research yesterday and um, one of the profiles I came across, she was like, I'm not going to be here. I have family health issues going on and I'm just let you know, I'm not going to be here. And that can happen. And so if you remove somebody from your list, you're not going to know that you don't have psychic powers, you can't go research every person on your list. Um, But just know that they can come back when they're ready. And they will resubscribe when they're ready. And if they're they don't, then you're not a good fit for each other. And that's perfectly okay. So my first tip is to make sure you have the right people on your list. And that leads into the second recommendation I have, which is if you have the right people on your list to gather as much information about them as is possible. Because when you have a lot of information about them and that it doesn't have to be personal information, I'm talking about information in ways that they could be applicable to your business. So for example, if, if I have somebody on my list, they could be interested in multiple different things that I talk about. They could be interested in email marketing. They could be interested in marketing strategy. They could be interested in sales strategy. They could be um, interested in retaining more clients. They could be interested in um, growing their sales and getting a, you know, a better offer. They could be interested in copywriting or they could be interested in a bunch of those different things. But it is my job as a marketer in my business to know which of those things are interested in and deliver that content to them. It is not their job to tell me. It is my job to seek it out and gather the information. But where this becomes really powerful is then you can segment and tag your users to deliver the content to them that they most want. And that is automatically going to engage them and get them excited because if they are struggling with a problem and then you send them an email about that problem, the likelihood that they're going to open it and look forward to that email, especially if it's a series, is much, much higher. And so oftentimes as business owners, we create content because we think it's what they need to hear. But in reality, people aren't looking for content that they that we need them to hear. They're looking for content or ideas or solutions for what they're struggling with. And so many people I see excited about some facet of their business, but it doesn't necessarily apply or isn't communicated well to their audience in a fashion that shares with them how it's going to help them. Um, So an example is I just saw, um, this is one that just popped into my head. There was a post about a conference and um, one of the topics was NLP. And if you're not familiar with NLP, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, and it's a way to reprogram your brain and um, get it to think about things in a different way. That's like a very rudimentary (laughs) definition. I am not an NLP practitioner. I don't know that much about it. I just know the bare minimum. But this person had posted on social media about how NLP was going to be a great tool for people to come to the seminar and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking to myself as an entrepreneur, and I know this is that person's audience. I'm like, one, most people don't know what NLP is. 
And if they do, they're not walking around going, you know what I need today? I need some NLP. No, they're thinking, I need a way to get out of my head, keep making steps forward, making progress, um, all of those different things. And the way we talk about what we do, no matter what it is, is so important. And the way we communicate, the way that we can help people and put ourselves in their shoes is really, really uh, important. Because if we're talking to people the way we think they should be talked to, then we are missing the boat. Um, Another example is I had, I've seen so many ads recently, but one is um, the way it was a health coach and the way she was talking to her audience was so condescending. And she probably doesn't even realize it's condescending, but it was, um, I can't remember exactly. It was like, um, something like, are you, um, Hey there, midlife mama. And I was like, I have never once in my life referred to myself as a midlife mama ever. And I was just like, how that was offensive to me. And I just thought to myself, I was like, okay, so what in her mind actually thought that was a great way to address people. And does she like walk down the street going, Hey there, midlife mama. I have never heard anyone say that in a conversation, by the way. And so I'm just like wanting you to think about the words you're using when you're addressing your audience. And instead of just throwing out what you think somebody should be described as, ask or listen to how they talk about themselves. One of the things that we learn as story brand guides, I uh, went through the story brand certification a few years ago. And one of the things that we learn is to figure out really quickly who it is that our audience wants to become and who, who they aspire to be. And this really helps you answer this question because when you're starting to just throw out um, another one that I hear all the time is boss babe. And I'm like, or girl boss. And I'm like, okay, number one, don't refer to me as a girl. I'm a grown ass woman. And if I'm running a business, I don't want to be referred to as a girl. And so, you know, these, these terms that we throw away or throw around in, in industry, we really need to think about how they're going to hit people and whether or not they're our audience. And sometimes I think we try to jump on trends to, you know, hope it works, I guess. And that is a, a lazy way to do marketing. I mean, let's just be frank. It's a lazy way to address your audience and try to get sales and do marketing. When it is much better to have one-on-one conversations, look at how other people are talking about themselves, use those words, use that language. And this can be a really tricky um, thing to get a hold of and grasp, especially if you don't have a really delineated audience, which is, um, you know, going back to number one is who is your audience and, you know, understanding specifically what their problems are. And that way you can deliver really specific things to them. And I think one of the things is um, that a lot of people harp on is like, it has to be a person. It has to be this person. It has to be Susie. And she's a fourth grader and she loves English. And and that's not necessarily true. One of the things that I've learned as as a marketer is that your audience can be somebody or a group of people that are struggling with the same problem. And so, for example, my audience is people that are struggling with, they have a list 
they don't know how to communicate to that list. And they certainly don't know how to turn those people into customers and increase their revenue. Um, And so think about how you're talking to your audience and what characteristics you've put around them and how you could morph those so that um, you are talking to them in a way that engages them and excites them and gets them interested in what you're, you're offering. And, um, you know, like the end, going back to the NLP example, if you're offering an NLP program, more power to you, like NLP is a great tool, focus less on the tool, more on the results. And if you do that, you're going to see a quick shift and turnaround in the way that people not only listen to you on social media, but open your emails, engage with your emails and respond to what you're saying and and talking about, because you actually have shown an interest in them versus product pushing. So that's number two. Number three is one that I talk about all the time. And that is show up consistently, more often than not. And this happens regularly. Um, people will get really excited about emailing their list because they have a product to push and you don't hear from them the rest of the time. And even if you do, they are pushing their next webinar, they're pushing their next training, they're pushing their next collaboration, they're pushing their next podcast episode, they're pushing, it's always something push, 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 rather than pulling information, ideas, conversation, uh, whatever it might be from your audience. And sometimes it can be challenging to know what to put in those emails. And I get it. Like, it's not always easy to come up with content every week, but people relate to stories. And when you can weave whatever story experience that you have going on into your product offering, your new promotion, all those sorts of things, then it's easier to ask. And a lot of times people try to focus on, I know there's a particular um, email, what am I trying to say? An email that I'm subscribed to. And one one thing is that <laughs> I know this person does not have their, uh, their stuff segmented very well because I get two emails from them um, every time they do something. And I'm like, okay. But the other thing is that um, every email that they send is some push for something they're doing. And just, it's not, they try to push it across like it's a benefit to me, but it's just, you can see, you can anticipate the sale for the next thing. And just once I'd be like, oh, it'd be really nice to have like an email from this person wondering what's going on with me? How am I doing? Um, What do I need? And I, I always um, look at email writing when I'm creating emails as an opportunity to write a letter to someone, to one person. And, you know, even if one, two, three, five, ten people respond, that's a win because all of those people that have responded and told me, hey, you know, I really, I really um, resonated with this and it made me think of this. Well, if you can track that information and you can use that in the future to engage, chances are if one person resonated with it and responded that many other people also resonated, they just didn't respond. And it made me think of, um, recently I was at Hallmark 
and I, it's funny because I, I really don't like shopping. Like I've never been a huge shopper, but now that I'm older, I, I just don't really like shopping. But Hallmark is one of those stores, and I don't know if it's um, sort of nostalgic for me, so that's why I enjoy it. But I went because um, my mom, <laughs> every year, we we have like this, I don't know if it's a contest, I don't know what it is, but Hallmark makes these little chocolate, they're solid chocolate balls. And um, they're just small, they're, I don't know, they're maybe like an inch big, but they're solid chocolate. And so it's kind of like our little Christmas treat, and we each get a bag. and. So we went to one Hallmark, I went with her and took her shopping and um, they only had one bag, like, cause they sell out of these things like constantly. And um, so I asked the lady to look up like, okay, the next closest store, do they have any? And she looked it up and she's like, yeah, this store has four bags. So of course I go and they have one, but it was fine. I was like happy they had one cause my mom got her bag and I got my bag and we're good. Um, but the difference in customer service and, um, engagement was night and day. So the first one we went to was in a mall and the girl could have cared less. Didn't say like, hi, didn't offer to help us with anything. Just kind of stood in the, stared at the ceiling. Like, I'm so bored. I can't believe I have this job. And then when I went to the other one, it was laid out nicer. They had like cinnamon candles burning. I walked in there like, hey, hi, welcome. Thanks for coming in. And like a totally different experience. And that's how people look at your emails. It's night and day. It's like, hey, whatever, can't be bothered. Here's what I'm selling. Versus like, hey, how are you? What's going on with you? I'm concerned about this in the industry. Are is it bothering you? Or I'm experiencing this. Are you experiencing it? And having those conversations and opening that door. And so if you really want people um to engage with your emails, look forward to your emails, then one, you have to show up consistently. And writing one email a week, yeah, I know it can be tough. I've missed a couple for the last few weeks because I haven't felt well and I've had a lot going on. But normally I am consistently emailing every week. And people know that they can expect me in their inbox at least a couple of times a month. And typically those emails are all value driven and about them. It is not about me selling something. It is, you know, I sell, I send sales sequences probably three or four times a year. The rest of the time it is giving um, them value. It's asking questions. It's engaging. It's creating conversation. Most people do the opposite. They send one or two emails a year and the rest are all sales, sell, 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 sell. And people don't want to be sold to. They don't want to buy your stuff. That's like hard to take in and grasp, but that's reality. And if you just keep chasing people um, and keep trying to get leads to sell your stuff because you're focused on, I have to sell this stuff right now, you are leaving so much money on the table because the people that are there have in some way or another resonated with you. But if you're constantly selling to them, they are gonna get burned out and they are not gonna wanna be part of your community anymore. And so it makes it really hard to convert that other, I'm sure you've heard me talk about the 97 versus three percentage. 3% of people that join your list, hear about your brand, know who you are, are ready to buy. Does that mean all three of them will buy? No, 3%. So if you're looking at hundred, that's three people. That leaves you 97 other people that you have the opportunity to get to know, build relationships with, create conversations, and turn them into customers. 
So if only 10% of this other 97% turned into customers, 10 people, that's still three times, three and a quarter times what that 3% is that you keep chasing. And you're not alone. Like this is everybody in business because marketing people make a killing off of selling you the 3%. And everybody's like, no, I need the sales now. But the, the real money comes not only from focusing on that 97% for the long term, but for the lifetime of that customer. Because say you turn 10 of those people into customers, well, those people then become the advocates for your brand. They become your referral partners. They become the people that are like, hey, what do you have next? And so that is how you build raving fans. That is how you build a community of people that not only are fans of yours and are gonna tell other people about you, but they are ready and primed for whatever it is you offer next. And that's where the real money comes in. So those 10 people could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars because you've already won them over. And it's so much easier to continue to sell to those people and get them to be your brand loyalists with their friends, their family, with other people that they um, work with because they've had a great experience with you. And that's where so many business owners drop the ball. They sell to them and then they're off. And so if you want people to pay attention to you in the inbox and to pay attention to you long-term, you have to take the time to nurture that relationship and build that connection and continue to serve well beyond the exchange of credit card information. Um, And so tip number four is to make it all about them. And most people won't do this because it takes time. It takes effort. And there isn't an immediate return as them pulling out their credit card and um, paying you. So I recently had another experience. I, um, I'm always looking for ways to grow and I signed up for a coaching program and, um, it's like a little mini, I don't want to say it's a coaching program. It's a little mini coaching program. And, um, I was super excited about it and I've already had, um, what am I trying to say? Some trepidation about the program. So it starts this week. There has been really poor communication about what's going to be covered, how we're going to do it, what the agenda is going to be. Like, I just feel like I'm in limbo. And it made me think about like customers when they purchase from you, if you've left them in limbo and you don't give them the assurance that everything is going to be fine, this is what you can expect. This is what's coming. This is where you show up. This is, you know, all of the steps that we just assume people know, then it does two things. One, it raises the anxiety for that person because they don't know what to expect. And that anxiety leads to refunds. And so if you are (laughs) not communicating and not making that post Um, purchase experience just extraordinary, as extraordinary as getting them to purchase, again, you are kicking yourself in the butt because you've worked so hard to get these clients and so hard to get these people on your repertoire um, and in front of you and to purchase that if you don't do a good job of like keeping that momentum going, what is the chance that they're going to refer you or recommend you to someone else? Slim to none. So, and I've seen... (laughs) 
we've also seen this. I uh, This is one of my least favorite things is where someone will purchase and say they become a coaching client, for example. And then the next thing you know, they're trying to upsell you into something else. And so they've just spent, say, $5,000 to work with you in your coaching program. And then you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you should get this, this, and this. You, you need this planner. You need this. You need that. People are like, what? And so without giving them an experience of what you can do and how you can help them and how you're going to transform their their business, their life, their whatever, before you start tacking things on is really not doing yourself a good service. Like if you get into the coaching and then you say, you know, a lot of my coaching clients struggle with this. That's why I created this planner. This is the results that people have had using the planner. This is the results people have had that didn't use the planner. And you can see the results with the planner are much, much bigger. So if if that's something that would be of interest to you and you could use it in your, you know, to lose weight, for example, we'll say meal tracking. If you think this meal tracker would be something that would be really helpful for you, it's over here. And because you're already a, a private coaching client, client um, you get $10 off yours or free shipping or whatever, or you can get yours free and then you can share it with a friend with this discount, whatever it is. But you you get the point is like, give them a chance to taste and have an experience with you before shoving more stuff down their throat. So making it about them is really important, not only before the sale, during, but also during the sale and after the sale. So just make sure when you're creating those emails that you are consistently following them through the journey. Their journey does not end after they exchange credit card information with you. It, it hopefully doesn't end ever if they become a long-term client, but you have to put the work in to make that happen. And then um, <clears throat> let's see here. I have my little list here of things that I wanted to, um, to go through. And some of these I already covered. So as I mentioned at the beginning, giving people what they want, not what you think they need. Um, and I'm sure you've heard the saying many times in your life, you know, give them what they want or sell them what they want, give them what they need. And that is absolutely true because people may think that they, they need and want one thing. And as a coach or a consultant, you know, yeah, that's not really what it is. So for example, um, I have a friend that does, and we have very similar businesses and I normally do a live with her on LinkedIn, but um, we've had so many people come to us and they're like, oh yeah, my, my sales funnel is broken. And it's, it's the tech, it's the tech. Like my website doesn't do this. I don't have enough SEO, blah, 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 blah. And we both, we kind of chuckle about it. It was like, that's the least of their problems. The problem is their offer sucks. Like nobody wants what they have because they haven't put in the time or energy to figure out what it is exactly people need. And they're trying to sell something that nobody wants. And I had this happen a lot of times. I used to work with an organization who um, put people on stages. And I would have so many people come across um, that program and they want to get on stages and then they they start to create whatever it is that they're going to talk about. And also um, one of the modules was to create an offer to pitch from the stage. Well, they would just pull something out of thin air. And I'm like, nobody's going to buy that. Like <laughs> nobody wants that. Nobody cares because you haven't done the research to figure out who it is you're talking to and what they really need. And so 
rather than, you know, building an online course, building a coaching program or whatever it might be before you've tested it or done the market research is really just a uh, misuse of your time and your energy because without a proven concept, you have no ability to gauge whether or not people are going to buy it. And so, so often um, people will fixate on the exterior things instead of fixing what's really the problem. So I just want you to be aware of like when you're putting things out there, not only in email, but just in your marketing in general, is it really what people are looking for and will they pay for it? Or are you just pushing what you know and what you feel and what you um, think they need versus what they actually need? And then last but not least, this is kind of a little bonus for you is you're, if you're really struggling with your emails is it, there is no shame in testing different things to see whether or not they're going to work. And this is how I've learned a lot about my audience, about business, about uh, marketing in general is like, I'll just do things. If it doesn't work, oh, well, it was a flop. Who cares? Things, that's how you learn. That's how you, you discover like, oh, that really sucked. That was bad. And your business will continue to evolve as long as you continue to learn and test and grow. If you don't test things, how are you ever going to know? Because a lot of times where people get stuck and they um, end up spinning their wheels and struggling is because they just keep thinking about things and they don't take action on them. And I'm telling you what, even the most imperfect action is going to give you the lesson that you need to continue the momentum to move forward. So that's what I have for you today. I hope uh, you will take at least one of these and put it, put it into action. If you do, I would love to know what that is. Come reach out to me on social media, leave a comment under this post or um, wherever you might be seeing it. If it's, if you're watching the video and let me know, what'd you try? What were your results? What are you going to try again? In the meantime, I will uh, not be here next week. You will have a, a, um, a guest interview that I've already recorded. We'll be here next week, but I want to wish you, uh, those of you in the United States, a very happy Thanksgiving and the rest of you keep plugging forward, doing your best, building relationships, creating connection. And I will see you in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. In the meantime, take care, be well, stay safe. See you soon. Did you miss something during the podcast? Maybe forgot to take notes? No worries, we've taken all the notes for you. All the resources, links, and information in this episode you can find over at alisaconner.com forward slash podcast. That's A-L-I-S-A-C-O-N-N-E-R dot com forward slash podcast.